1: Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com with Amex.
2: Join Saints Happy Hour Fan Club today. We'll mail you the best swag. You'll get exclusive access to our daily Saints podcast, and you can talk football 24 7 with other Saints fans in our Discord channel. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up today.
0: This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's it's painful. All
2: right, everybody, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. This one's free, but you should sign up, become a $10 patron uh, so you can get access to it every day. Today we have a very special guest, a friend of the program. We haven't had him on in a while, but we love him even though he's our arch enemy blogger, runner. Dave Choate of the Falcoholic is joining us. Dave, uh, how are you surviving the Rona? uh in the uh offseason from hell
3: you know i'm just taking it one day at a time you know trying to be fast and physical uh you know (laughs) stick to the game plan execution (laughs) other
2: buzzwords (laughs) so so dave we love dan quinn we want him to coach the falcons forever he's become like (laughs) mike smith we love him we want him to stay they should extend him for a lifetime contract but They're going to fire him this year. So when they fire him, are they going to fire him in person or are they going to do it over Zoom?
3: Um, You know, I I think that they'll do it in person. I think that Arthur (laughs) Blank will drive his yacht up in uh, Quinn's yard. I'm assuming he has a yard, yacht on wheels, and do it because that's a decent thing to do. Um, But I I think – I think you're probably right that they're going to fire him this year, but I also think it's possible that Blank takes the yacht over and says, you know, it was a weird year with the Rona. Let's let's give you one more year. <laughs> well, Dave, I'm interested in
4: – so I kind of feel for you guys in the sense that – well, not not too bad, but I, I do feel <laughs> – I, I can relate to what you're going through, I guess, in the sense that, you know, for years we were stuck in this perpetual hell of 7-9 and nine where you're just good enough – not to get a draft that'll really change the fortunes of the franchise but you're just bad enough that you're not making the playoffs and the seasons aren't exciting. So I I'm I, I was at a place with Sean Payton but here's the thing like as much as the Saints were struggling Sean Payton was an offensive guy and the offenses were still in the top 5 when the Saints were 7 and 9. So it's, like, Sean Payton was kind of he you know I, I mean he deserves responsibility for the whole but he was at least taking care of his side of the lawn and the saints were good offensively they just weren't good as a team is it different with Quinn for you guys because it's the defense that's failing you and he's a defensive guy
3: yeah it definitely is I think you know there's two things going on with Quinn that that make a lot of people want him out of town right the first is that you know he took over the defense last year and admitted basically that it ended up being too much for him and the defense fell apart communication problems everywhere all sorts of stuff going wrong and then when he handed the reins over the defense you know some of that might have been fluky but it got markedly better in the second half of the season so that's a big problem right when you're a defensive guy and you're like i'm going to take over i'm going to fix this thing and then you don't fix it and you don't get fired that's going to make people unhappy you're like why are Uh, you here why do we even have you exactly I think it's for the slogans um, and because he's a handsome guy. Um, But you know, the other piece of this is too, is the Falcons have also done this thing where they've been awful. And you're like, all right, at least we're getting a top draft pick. We're going to get a shot at, you know, a guy like maybe Ed Oliver or, you know, an elite player, you're going to get a top 10 pick and you're going to get it. And then, They get good at the end of the season, just good enough to avoid doing that. (laughs) And that is extremely aggravating if you're a fan. Like, even if you don't believe in tanking, as I don't, like, either do it or don't. Just pick one.
2: Yeah. Well, that's my thing that I joke with a couple of your writers, Matt and and Jenna. You know, two years ago when y'all were like one and four, I I was joking with her. I was like, I'm going to tell you how this is going to go. Y'all are going to rally get to 500, and then you're going to go to Cleveland, you think you're going to get over the hump, and they're going to smack you in the face, and you're going to finish 7-9. and nine. And they're like, how do you know this? I'm like, because I fucking lived it with the Saints. They give you just yeah. enough hope, and then in a game that you expect to win, all your flaws magically appear like acne. It just, boom, bubbles up, you know? Um, but my question to you, Dave, is I look at the Falcons, and my theory is that... The, that Quinn and Dimitrioff, they always are thinking that that 2016 defense that miraculously got good the second half of the year and Vic Beasley was amazing. And y'all played spectacular and until it got to 28 to three and it all collapsed. They sort of think that like they can recapture that magic that like, if everybody gets healthy, it'll be, we can get back to that. But that that was a mirage and your defense really is kind of shitty and you need to rip it out and rebuild it from the studs but they sort of are still clinging to this belief that like we just need to tinker a little bit and we can get it back to what it was and they're completely wrong in in that belief is 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 my theory correct
3: I think I, I think a lot of Falcons fans would agree with you. Like any any Falcons fan listening to this right now is probably nodding along with that. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit more on the fence about that. I, I think the issue that the Falcons have is that they have a bunch of guys who, as individual performers, have the talent to do what they did in 2016. Right, the ones that were on the team like Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett. Um, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen. These guys have all played that well in the past. Theoretically, they can do so again. Jared is actually just getting better all the time. But the problem is, is they just they they're they're looking at it wrong. In that, you know, you can't just keep putting one piece here and one piece there over and over again because they just haven't solved this thing. The pass rush has never come together. The secondary always fades late, which, of course, we saw in the game that I don't want to talk about anymore. <laughs> um, and, and those are things that you can't just fix with a draft pick here and a draft pick there and one signing here. And they just keep trying to do that. And the the best example, I think, of that is just, you know, I like Dante Fowler. I think he's a good addition to this team is he going to be that kind of transformative pass rusher that they clearly need if they're not going to tear up the entire defensive line aside from Grady Jarrett and start over? No. Um, you know, a year ago when they gave Vic Beasley the fifth year option and they were like, this is the year for him. It wasn't. And we all knew it wasn't going to be. So, you know, you're right in that, you know, they're trying to recreate something they can't recreate now, do I get the temptation to do that because of some of the pieces they have there? Yes, yes.
4: All right. Let Let's talk about pictures and gifs or gifs. I, I don't even. I still to this day, I still don't know how to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> but but
1: achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?"
4: With Saints Twitter, you know, we have – I have a few questions about this for you. But we have, we have several pictures that circulate, and it's all in good fun, you know, with the Falcons and Saints banter. But there's two of Matt Ryan in particular that are semi-offensive that circulate a lot. And I'm just curious if you know anything about these, if you see these with regularity. The first one is the Matt Ryan in the bra – And uh, I'm just curious if that if you know the origin, if that's photoshopped, if that's real. And then the second one is this picture of Matt Ryan. It it looks like he's just been sacked and you see his you see his ass. And I can't tell if it's red or it's brown. And I'm not sure which one's worse. Uh, But if you could maybe tell me which one you think is worse between the two.
3: i I think the first one's worse because it is photoshopped um and i see it all the time so basically you know it is
4: photoshopped you you know that
3: i do know that for that one for that one i do and and to just go on a little side tangent here like some of you guys on saints twitter and you guys in particular some others like i really enjoy the back and forth because you guys are funny you're mean as hell and you're original (laughs) um unfortunately like ninety percent of your fan base sends me those not. two pictures and twenty-eight-three. No matter what <laughs> I write, it doesn't matter. I can be like, you know, Michael Thomas only catches seven-yard passes, and I'm looking for some good trash talk in return. And I get twenty-eight-three, and I'm like, guys, you're really letting me down here. You know, I'm trying to rile up the Hornets' nest, and you guys are just buzz uh, well, around. Well, my, my head. question
2: is, what what sort of gifts circulate in in Falcons? Would I see some Stefan Diggs? Uh... Twitter where you you Photoshop in him with the Saints player and do some funny stuff. But like, do y'all do like, I feel like y'all don't do enough Drew Brees with blue diamonds falling from the ceiling. Like I feel like the Saints have a lot of material that y'all don't mind as much. What's the go-to for Falcons fans as far as gifts and Saints jokes that never ever get old for you?
3: So the gifts, I would say it's, it's the one that I see the most often for some reason is the one where uh somebody's photoshopped drew Brees getting sacked and his next like three feet long you've probably seen that one <laughs> I um have. I, lo- oh, I love the, that the one. ahmad brooks makes, sack yes yeah, yeah yeah that makes no sense but it's great uh, but that's that's the big one and then anything yeah vikings related and playoff collapse I, I do think we don't do enough like i i've been trying to keep the Avocare thing alive as long as i can um but you know it's <laughs> that's just, good that's good not ground. everyone bites on that
2: As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there's no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be in on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection, he'll give you the chance to win some great prizes, and... Bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. bet BetOnline, your online wagering experts. The, the advocate is good, you know? and, and 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 Falcons fans don't seem to get my jokes about Dan Quinn looking like a like a sad youth minister. They don't. Uh, they don't get those jokes. I feel like I feel like Dan Quinn. He looks like a sad youth minister, or a, a a minister that he's gotten out of prison and now he's preaching. He's going back and preaching to the convicts. Like people don't find that funny, but
3: I do. I I enjoy that. I, I think you know the <laughs> default mode for for Falcons fans, and you know I think this is every fan base to some extent is like. It might be funny if one of us says it, but it's not funny if you say it, type of thing, right? Right. Like, we we, only we get to say that Dan Quinn is a sad youth minister.
2: It's the it's the old it's the old animal house joke, right? He can't do that to our pledges. Only we can do that to our pledges.
3: Exactly. Um, Exactly. Well, Dave, Dave, let
4: me ask you this. I mean, I feel like that the shy Tuttle stiff arm gif, like that (laughs) lives in infamy right now in Saints Twitter, and I feel like. That's maybe even at least for some of us, it, it maybe even supersedes twenty-eight to three at this point. Just like, like this. Oh,
0: Ryan! With, with the <laughs> oh my God! Wie eine Puppe gibt er ihm den Stifter oh, und er fliegt Boden. Hör doch mal auf.
4: That. And there you there you have the German call of the uh, of the play in question, but. I, so I guess my my question to you, Dave, is like, is that almost welcome at this point? Is it better to see that and just like the, it's just something different from twenty eight to three? Are you almost glad that happened?
3: See, I, in a way, yes. And so you know, it takes it takes away from again the the pants picture or the bra picture or the twenty eight three reference. The other side of that that that, that gets me though is like how many quarterbacks are going to go and put themselves in the position to take that stiff arm in the first place? Like that, that's the thing to me. Like that's, that's what we love about Matt Ryan, right? Is this guy, he doesn't sit back there and mope after he does something like that. He goes and tries to make something of it. So on that hand, you know, it, that bothers me. So you guys using that actually gets under my skin a little bit, <laughs> but the other part of it is objectively, it's hilarious. If it was any other quarterback, I'd be laughing. My and I mean off the it. German so, call, come on.
2: That is amazing.
3: That is really amazing. You know,
2: Dave, we had Bomani Jones on, and he said, look, I I, I, I gave up the Falcons because they just broke my heart too much and I couldn't take it anymore, and I was like, what does it do for me? But he still hates the Saints objectively. But the interesting interesting thing that that I think he touched on a little bit, I wish we would have had more time with him, is that the Saints-Falcons rivalry, to me, the national media still doesn't understand how much the fans hate each other and how big a deal it is. And the thing that I love about Saints and Falcons fans is we don't even care that the national media doesn't understand how much we hate each other. We just enjoy it so much like it's our little own indie band thing. You know, like most fans are like, our rivalry is the best at Dallas Cowboys. And, they, and the Packers and Bears fans are like, we have the most tradition and blah, blah, blah. And they want to prove that their rivalry is the best. Saints and Falcons fans, it's like we're too busy – hating each other. Do you do you enjoy the rivalry being sort of low key, or would you rather it be like a number one marquee rivalry?
3: I enjoy it being low key. I, I think, you know, you guys, you know, I, I think you're roughly the same age as me in the neighborhood. So you absolutely remember as kids, you know, what a Falcon Saints game <laughs> was like, what the Falcon Saints rivalry was like. These were two These were two sad sack kids, you know, beating each other up, just tired, throwing a punch every 30 seconds. Everybody's getting disappointed and going home. So, you know, to me, like, that's the way it always should be. It should always have that little bit of an air that these are two chronic failures, finally maybe doing something a little bit better, but not entirely shaking that reputation. And. You know, I I do when I see lists of rivalries, though, like I forget who it was recently that put one out, but Falcon Saints wasn't even like on there as a top five or top ten. Like that is ridiculous to me. It's like, how do you miss how intense this rivalry is? But I like that it's low key. And and I love the other piece of the NFC South that I love is that, you know, nobody really cares about the Panthers and Buccaneers. And, you know, th- whenever <laughs> we're gonna they have try to, to, to care about Tampa now, it, we have like, to,
2: we have yeah. to, we could join together yeah. in hating on Brady.
3: Oh yeah, we are doing that. There's no question. But like as soon as he's gone, we're going back to not caring about the Buccaneers.
4: Yeah, Dave, that's a uh, funny man. It's just thinking back to the memories that I have as a Saints fan and you know, the most hurtful for me uh, to this day. I mean, you know, I, I would say the worst Saints memory has to be the no call just because you know that's that's one call that is the difference between in my opinion going to the Super Bowl or not so that yeah. that's probably the worst and most hurtful for me but then after that you know and I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm turning 40 this year so I'm at the point now where most of our listeners they don't have the Rolodex of history and memory that I do I mean we have some listeners that are older than me but you know, a lot of our listeners started in 2006 or later, you know, they're really Sean Payton era fans. And so yeah. they don't have kind of the, the bank of memories. And so they'll point to some of these recent playoff losses, but to me, the playoff loss of the Falcons, I don't, I'm, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. I'm guessing uh, uh, you
3: are. Oh that my is God. my first big Falcons memory. So like growing up in new England of all places, um, you know weird place to be a falcons fan in the first place but i didn't get a lot of falcons games on tv so the the two things that really drove my fandom early on i was seven when that game happened was that game and then uh techno super bowl just playing Mm. the falcons um so those those that game to me and and you know so few fans i'm in the same have you remember that happening
2: oh my god men start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology. So you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. Oh, one of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. You need to try this out yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair, your balls will thank you. Have but- you watched, have you seen the the NFL channels uh episode on the 91 Falcons? It's a it's You know a, I haven't. It's a yeah. hate crime against Saints fans, but that thing, that the thing is that make, I, I think, for for me and Andrew, the thing that makes that stick out so much is that, that Atlanta team, it was like a comet. They weren't good, but man, they had Jerry Glanville, so he was doing his fucking nonsense before the game, and they had MC <laughs> Hammer on the sideline, Evander Holyfield, they were doing too legit to quit, and I can still remember to this day them dancing with MC Hammer on to legit to quit on the sideline in the Superdome. It was just so infuriating. It's it to me, it's even more of a it, it won't be it, it will never top the no-call like Andrew says. But I to me it's more painful than 2017 because it's Atlanta and because Jerry Glanville as a Saints fan i hated his nonsense but if he was coaching my team god that would have been fun like he's leaving tickets for elvis he's wearing all black he's being goofy like but it just it burns a hole in your heart because the saints hadn't won a playoff game up to that point um you know and and that's a moment dave where i think the rivalry really like exploded and then 28 to 3 put it on a different level but well, my question to you now is where where do you see like the 2020 Falcons because I look at them and I have no idea what they're going to be. Like yeah. I can I can reasonably look at Tampa and other teams. Atlanta, you could tell me any scenario and I'd be like possibly.
3: Yeah. It's it's a tough year to figure out and I um my kind of default stance after this off season, I like the off season. I like the draft class. I think the the signings mostly were things I was on board with, even if they lost some players, I would have preferred they didn't lose, but it, you know, this looks to me like a 500 football team that could catch fire um, and do more if everything goes well. And I think that's probably about where they'll end up though, is 500. I just, I don't, get Dirk Cutter I don't think Dirk Cutter (laughs) is suddenly going to after 20 years in the NFL uh turn into a great offensive coordinator how does
2: that guy get get so many high profile jobs like this is you know
3: when people talk about like you know uh, (laughs) you know coaches being retreads and like a certain type of guy getting jobs over and over again they are talking about Dirk Cutter because Mm -hmm. like no matter what that man does he is Teflon
2: I mean and listen I you can say whatever you want about Lovey Smith, but for Tampa to go from 1 and 15, they tanked the final game against the Saints in the most glorious way possible to make sure they got the first pick with Jameis Winston. They go from 1 and 15 to 7 and 9, and then Tampa's like, "We got to fire Lovey cuz Dirk might le- like Dirk Cutter might leave." Like, who makes that panic move and is like, "We got to get rid of the head coach cuz somebody might get Dirk Cutter." Like, you can't replace Dirk Cutter. It just see it, it was hysterical to me that they panicked and were like, we got to make him the head coach or he'll leave. Um, but anyway, I mean, do, do you like him better than um, Steve Sarkeesian that you had previously?
3: No, no definitely not. I, I think Wow. the issue with Sark, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was a great offensive coordinator, but – I think the problem with him was too often that team against good defense is just wilted. Dirk Cutter though, it's, it's the same game plan that he's been running forever. You know, we saw this offense in 2014 with the Falcons didn't work particularly well then. um, And it didn't really work particularly well last year, even if the surface numbers were okay. Like to me, I'd rather have a guy who's at least trying things and learning and mixing things up like Sark was, Um, rather than somebody who's proven over and over again that he is maybe the textbook definition of an average offensive coordinator. Like, you have all this talent. Just do do something different than it, you know, running it up the gut on first and ten over and over again, which is what Dirk Cutter likes to do.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed.
4: Dave, can you talk a little bit about the strategy of the Falcons? I feel like last year they kind of made a mistake in that they went all in on fixing the offensive line. And it's like, I mean, I can't remember exactly how they did it, but I feel like they signed a few guards and then they drafted with their first pick an offensive lineman. And I, I can't even tell you the names, but I just remember it felt like you looked at the totality of the Falcons offseason season And it was like offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. They were just beating that drum. And then you look at the results, and it seemed like the offensive line wasn't really fixed. So it seemed like there was an offensive line plan in place, and it totally backfired. Is that a mischaracterization of how that all played out?
3: No. And so, you know, here's what happened. So Arthur Blank... I think generally speaking is a pretty good owner. He likes to get involved though. And sometimes he puts down mandates that I think that the team takes and runs with unproductively. So a year ago he said, We are gonna fix the offensive line and Thomas Dimitrov was like, We are gonna fix the offensive line. So they went out and they signed uh Jamon Brown and James Carpenter and you only needed one of those guys. I like Brown better than Carpenter, but if you're gonna get a stopgap guard, don't get two. And then they went into the draft and they drafted Chris Lindstrom, who I actually like a lot. Um, and then they went ahead and drafted Caleb McGarry at right tackle. and The jury's sort of still out on that. Well, now you've spent a ton of money on two guards um, and you've got a rookie guard that is of course going to start. Um, and then you've got a rookie right tackle and you're going to be like, okay, that's fixed. But one of those guys is benched. And ultimately they made a series of poor decisions. You know, um, Lindstrom got hurt, which obviously hurt them. But then, they started James Carpenter at left guard, and he his pro football focus score last year, which is pretty representative, I think, was one of the lowest I've ever seen from a starting offensive lineman. It was horrible. And then, you know, they just couldn't Wes Schweitzer, who has been sitting here and starting games, you know, as a mediocre option for years now, could have done better than James Carpenter if they had just never signed the guy and used that money elsewhere. And so they went all in on a fix. And they sort of half-assed the fix in the first place. And so now, you know, Lindstrom and McGarry maybe end up being those transformative guys. Great, but it's a year too late, and you have all this money tied up in two guards. And and it's possible that neither of them start. It just was a, hey, we're making signings to do things type of offseason. So if if
4: if they get sunk this year, what's more likely? Is it the poor offensive line play, or is it the defense?
3: I think it's still the defense um, because I think even with poor offensive line play, like, you know, they'll get their numbers. They've got Todd Gurley. They've got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. You know, this is, this is a talented offense. The defense, you know, really young secondary, um, still no proven, you know, pass rushers with like multiple years of double digit sacks and tons of pressure. So to me, it's the defense is combustible it always
2: is Well, we didn't even mention ty gurley and before we got out of here people were kind of when i when i sort of poked around and used site and, and twitter people sort of were they were excited but it, it, i was expecting it more because he was a georgia guy he's a georgia guy i was expecting the fan base to be more excited about him uh it seemed kind of muted about him coming coming back to georgia and playing for the falcons what's the expectation for him
3: I think we're all expecting a a really good year. Um, I think a lot of the tempered expectations come from the arthritis in his knee, you know, and that's something I think a lot of fans have said we hit too hard. But to me, it's a valid concern. You know, something was going on a year ago with the Rams that wasn't entirely Sean McVay being a weirdo. (laughs) Um, So that's, that's part of the concern. But the other part of the concern is just you could put, God himself back there and give him the football and Dirk Cutter is going to run him into seven defenders and he's not going to go anywhere That that's a big problem to me so it, it doesn't matter how good Todd Gurley is to some extent because even if he's more productive than Freeman like Dirk Cutter ruined Devonta Freeman's career last year by just doing insanely unproductive things over and over again. So I think there's a little bit of both of those, like the true Georgia diehards are fired up for this guy. I, I love Todd Gurley. He's a talent. And I think if Dirk Cutter digs in his bag of tricks and comes up with something different for a change, I think he'll have a spectacular year. Um, but I just, I have to temper my expectations. I think a lot of fans do for those two reasons. Like does he play a full season? Does Cutter know what he's doing? And the answer to both of those things are maybe, so it's like hard to jump up and down about it.
4: All right, real quick, Ralph, let's give him our top five most hated Falcons all time. And I want to hear, I want to, Dave, I want you to just, you know, gut feeling on your top five Saints. So for me, number one is Deion Sanders. He's got to be on the list. Roddy White has to be on the list. Yeah. What other names do you want to add? Jesse Ralph?
2: Tuggle has to be Jesse on the list. Jesse Tuggle. John yeah. Abraham for me. God, that guy was good. Oh, that's a hated great. Call. Him. And he played forever. Yeah. And, and then I guess I guess Julio because
1: yeah. it,
4: it's weird. Julio is See, we're both big LSU fans too, so like Julio is both Alabama and Falcons, so that's doubly awful, but yet, yet somehow Julio has managed to be somewhat inoffensive to me. Like I mean, he's just really good and I respect him, but like I just don't hate him like I hate Roddy White. You know, it's it's kind of weird, but algie Crumpler is another one that
0: oh S- Saints algie fin-
4: he, noted he, Saints killer, noted Saints
0: killer,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honorable. Man, Samuel, he might not be first maybe?
2: team because Greg Olson is first team tight end, Saints killer, but Algie Crumpler, he's definitely like second team.
3: Yeah. So what you got for us, Dave? Yeah, well, I I'd say Sean Payton's very much at the top of the list <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> it's going to be hard to top Sean Payton ever um drew Brees, just because he is a falcons killer i know that's you know super straightforward and easy but um cam jordan for the trash talking of matt ryan like i think that cam jordan has single-handedly dented matt ryan's stock with the national media more than any other player just because of the uh the trash (laughs) talking that he's doing um you know michael thomas is getting up there both because he he's Great, obviously, and he does good work against the uh, the Falcons, and and I just find his like need to be recognized as number one super obnoxious. Um, let's see.
2: It's true. He wants yeah. to be. He I'm wants not, you I'm to know, know how good he is. I think we find
3: it a little obnoxious too. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> think is. that's fair. You know, I think it really is fair. Um, I always had a weird thing with Jabari Greer, of all people, like just not <laughs> a fan of that guy. Um, and, and, probably Devery Henderson too.
2: Oh, yep. Devery Henderson is a good one. He, he did some horrible things to y'all, like 2006, the bomb. Jabari Greer had the, didn't he do like a, an obnoxious touchdown dance on a pick six in 2011 versus y'all?
3: Yes, I believe that's correct. Because when you said most hated, most hated, most hated saints, he immediately popped into my mind. And so that's probably why, um. Whereas, That's probably you know, and that
4: why is, I feel why I do about Asante Samuel. It sounds like a similar, just random hatred
3: there. I can understand that hatred, and I understand Roddy over Julio too, because Roddy hated the Saints, man. He he hated the Saints, and Julio just is a lot quieter if he does. Yeah, you can't. We can't. We
2: we can't hate you unless you open your mouth and become derogatory. Then then the, the hate and the fun goes to a whole other level. Julio. He's not quite in the Colston never say anything interesting, but he's really close to the to the. He's
3: really close. Yeah, he like. really is. And Colston's a guy. You know, it's funny. There are just Saints players that you know. This is going to get me kicked off of uh, Falcons Twitter forever. But there are Saints players that I I didn't mind at all. Kind of liked, like Pierre Thomas and Colston was another one. Just hard guy to hate. Mm. I mean, I'm
4: shocked you didn't say Jimmy Graham. I am
3: shocked. <laughs> yeah. He, I. You know, I think it's just the years. I mean, he bent the goalpost it. in your stadium. He did, but, you know, ever since then, it's like, first of all, we have this running gag where we misspell his name and say the Falcons are going to sign him. We've been doing that for what seems like 10 years now. <laughs> and then he's just been so inoffensive since he left. Like, he you has. know, time has kind of cauterized that wound, I think.
2: So, final question from me, and then we can get out of here. Um, It seems like Falcons Twitter enjoyed Kyle Shanahan blowing the Super Bowl with the 49ers immensely. (laughs) Did it help heal the 28-3 wound just a little, and how much did you enjoy it?
3: A tiny bit. And I I think, you know, there's sort of two camps in Falcons Twitter – Right, There's the, the Kyle Shanahan truthers who are, are probably right, let's, let's be honest up front, um, that are like, you know, he took an enormous amount of blame for that Super Bowl and it wasn't all his fault. Um, you know, defense really blew it. And so they did not enjoy watching that happen, again, because now he's got a reputation as a choker forever, and that kind of stinks if you don't think the guy did anything wrong in the first place. The other camp of Falcons Twitter which I am a member of enjoyed that immensely because you know what like <laughs> he was joking about it leading up to the Super Bowl like no big deal to him obviously this is going to oh, be Oh fuck a that guy that I did, I, I, for, I didn't realize yeah.
2: he was joking about it. Oh, I totally now I now oh, I yeah. completely understand.
3: Yeah, so there were jokes from him and Jimmy Garoppolo and so I was going into that going it would be really funny if he blew this game. And so the fact that they did <laughs> I, I could not have enjoyed it more. That's really what he deserved for, like, and I know these guys take it different ways than fans do, but we've got to live with this for a long time, so he can enjoy that reputation as a joker for a little bit.
2: Dave, thanks so much for giving us time. Guys, go to the Falcoholic. We know we're not going to wish the Falcons well, obviously, in the 2020 season, but go there. It's fun to go back and forth with them. They're great guys. And listen, Dave, you know it. 2020 is gonna be it's gonna be weird season with the Rona with everything, and if you don't have the jokes, we're not gonna get through it. And the Falcoholic has some great jokes, and we love you guys, Dave. We can't thank you enough for giving us time, guys. Thanks again for joining us. Sign up if you can. We will see you again tomorrow.